0: Good morning. It's good to be with you this uh, wonderful morning as we continue digging through 2 Corinthians. Um, it's good to dig back into God's Word this morning. I hope today finds you well, no matter how you're um, how you're uh, studying with us, whether you're watching this on YouTube or Facebook or if you're podcasting. Uh, it's funny I, I'm hearing a lot of people comment how much they like the, the podcast. So um, I think I think podcast preferable, frankly, because I've got a face that's perfect for podcasting. You have to look at me, you know it's just wonderful. so no but thanks for. Thanks for joining us this morning. Um, we're going to be picking up in 2 Corinthians. We're in chapter nine and it's funny. You're, we're going to see chapter nine in many ways continue to be um, kind of the same point of emphasis that we've seen the last chapter It's still about the giving. So um, just be aware and and I think it's important for us to be reminded we read the Bible in chapters and verses. That's how we're studying right now. We're studying through sections, like we're breaking it down section by section. Now, that's healthy because remember, every verse stands in the greater context of what surrounds it. No verse stands alone, it always stands in context. But the original scripture was not written in verses and chapters, it, those were later additions to help us read and study. So it may seem like we're like, well, dad, gum, Paul, you've been talking about this offering. For Jerusalem, for two chapters now. You know, come on, we get the point. But we read this as multiple verses in multiple chapters. Paul wrote this as one continuous whole. So, really, it may even make sense in the editing of this when they added chapters and verses for this to have been one chapter, because it really is one continuous story. So, that's why it may feel like Paul's been beating the same drum for multiple chapters. It's really in the original audience for the original writing, it was one continuous part. So anyway, that's why we're why it seems so long. Anyway, chapter nine, we'll read uh, chapter nine is one section. We'll read, not, we'll read chapter nine, 1 through 15, all of this chapter. Now it is not necessary for me to write a, you about the ministry to the saints. For I know your eagerness, which is the subject of my boasting about you, the people of Macedonia, saying that Acacia has been ready since last year, and your zeal has stirred up most of them. But I am sending the brothers in order that our boasting about you may not prove to have been empty in this case, that you may be ready, as I said you would be. Otherwise... If some of the Macedonians come with me and find that you are not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you in this undertaking. So I thought it necessary to urge the brothers to go ahead to you and arrange in advance this bountiful gift that you have promised so that may be ready as a voluntary gift and not as an extortion. The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. and The one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver and God is able to provide for you with every blessing and abundance that you may always have enough of everything that you may share abundantly in every good work as it's written he who scatters abroad gives to the poor his righteousness endures forever he who supplies seed to the sower and bread to the bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase your harvest and harvest your righteousness you will be enriched in every way for your great generosity and you will produce thanksgiving to God through us For the rendering of this ministry, it not only supplies the need to the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. Through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience to the confession of the gospel of Christ and the generosity of your sharing with them and others. While they long for you and pray for you because the surpassing grace of God has given to you. Thanks be to God. an indescribable gift. So we see Paul continuing saying here, I thought the interesting part was funny. He said, basically, he said the first verses, chapter, uh, verses, uh, verses two, verses three, on to um, verse five. Hey, guys, I've been bragging on you to Macedonia. Like, you know, I've been really talking you up. I've been telling them what a great offering you're going to take up. So, you know, I sent some people ahead of me to get ready. You know, you really need to kind of back up my boasting because it looked bad for me. And for you, if you don't give a great offering, otherwise, if some Macedonians come with me and they find that you're not ready, we would be humiliated to say nothing of you. So Paul's like, okay, like, come on. Like, I've been bragging on you. I, I need you to follow through by bragging. Because if you don't do it, it's going to look bad for you. It's going to look bad for me. It's going to look bad for all of us. So you need to give. Um, so he continues to write about how he talked about how faithful they are. And remember, Corinth is a church of, of, of resources. Corinth has resources. This is not a church of poverty, but this is a church of, of financial abundance. And um, I think it's important for us to see this. It's so easy to say. It says here, God loves a cheerful giver. This is another chapter about giving, and it is. But I think it's also important for us to remember that this is a chapter about connection. That um, it's so easy, y'all. It's so easy for us as Christians. so easy for us as churches. Just to, frankly, think about what's good for us. What's good for my church. What's good for my family. It's an old joke about, sometimes we pray, God bless me, my wife, our kids, us four, and no more. You know, it's easy to focus on the local only. So my family, and then my church, and then that's it. And I don't think that's the path that the Bible calls us to take. Um, other churches in Madison, Madison Methodist, Broadmoor, Ridgecrest, it's in the Jackson area, Pine Lake, First Baptist, Christ United. They're not our competition here at St. Matthew's. They're not. They're our co laborers for the gospel. They're our brothers and sisters. It is, isn't just that I want St. Matthew's to be successful and to um, build the kingdom here, but I want all the churches to build the kingdom. And frankly, it isn't just enough that I want the churches in Jackson to build the kingdom, but I want churches across Mississippi, across the Southeast, across the nation, across the world. And so we've been blessed with some resources here at St. Matthew's. How do we use them? <clears throat> and we can't simply use them for our good. But as Christians, as churches, the ministry of the kingdom extends beyond just our local church. And the ministry of the kingdom extends beyond just our local family. But we as Christians, we as churches, we as pastors, we as leaders, we have to be focused beyond just our front door. And Paul is imploring them, hey, through the testing of this ministry, you glorify God by your obedience, And while they long for you and pray for you because of the surpassing grace of God that's been given to you. So it isn't Paul just saying, hey, by your blessing, by your giving, you're blessing the saints in Jerusalem. But they're praying for you too. And they care about you. They care about you. And imagine y'all what it would look like. Imagine what it would look like. If we Christians truly cared for each other. If we truly did as Jesus prayed in John 17, that we would be one. Imagine if we truly and deeply loved each other—not not that we got to agree with each other and everything. I'm, a, you know, I'm a Methodist. I have a Wesleyan view of baptism and of communion, of women in ministry. That's great. That's how I'm formed. But I've got brothers and sisters who have different perspectives on these things, and I, we may have some disagreements. But I need to love them. I need to love them. I need to pray for them, and I would hope they pray for me as well. Imagine what it would say to the world if we as Christians truly loved each other. Tertullian, one of the early church fathers, once wrote, Oh, those Christians, oh, how they love one another. What would that say to this greater world? And then what would it say to the world if we loved them in the same way? Not just that we loved each other and support each other and pray for each other, but we loved the world in the same way. We loved the, our neighbors. We loved our enemies. We loved our colleagues. We loved our coworkers. We love our folks on our street who don't know Jesus. That we radically love them in the same way. What would that say to the world? Wouldn't that be the path of Jesus? Where it goes to 1 Peter 315. You've heard me quote 1 Peter 3.15. I love it. Always be ready to give a defense for the hope that you have. And what would it look like? What would it look like to the world if we so radically loved each other as Christians? That we so radically gave? Each other as Christians, that we so sort of radically supported each other as Christians. What would it like to the world if we did that? And they would say, "Why do you do that? Why do, why do you care that Broadmoor grows or, or Canton First Baptist grows or wherever? Why does that matter to you? What well, matters to me because of Jesus. Jesus is why it matters to me." First Peter three fifteen, and then why would what would it look like if the world says, "Why do you love like that?" Why do you give like that? Why do you serve like that? Why do you orient your life around this gospel like that? And the answer is Jesus. Paul is not just calling them to give. He's calling them to orient their lives around the good news of Jesus and let that good news affect everything they do, from their giving to their serving to their praying. And friends, what would it look like for us as Christians if we did that as well? if we oriented all of our life around the gospel. So let's try to do that today. In our work, in our play, in our giving, in our serving, let's orient all of our life around the gospel. Let's see what that looks like, what that means in this world. So thanks for being with us today. um, Monday we'll pick up with um, chapter 10. We're getting close to the end of 2 Corinthians, so I'm looking forward to finishing this out and, seeing where we go next. Uh, comment below if you have any questions. Um, message me, email me. I'd love to hear back from you, but thanks for, thanks for studying. Give me some suggestions about what you'd like to study next, you know? Where would you like to see us go next? Um, I'd love some feedback on that, so thanks for joining us today. Have a great weekend, and we'll see you Monday morning.